Well, all the leads are dried up, Frank. You know who we gotta go see. We gotta go see the do. He's the only one who can help us. A supernatural event like this, all the all regular detectives, they just, they just ain't up to snuff. I just, I hate talking to I him, know. you know? He never talks straight about these things. And you got that personal deal with your wife and him, I understand, but we gotta do this. Let's go. All right, all right. All right, Scoob. Take a seat. You comfy? Hey. Get you some coffee. <laughs> yeah, or maybe a Scooby snack? No Scooby snacks until you give us the information. You know the deal. We've been yeah, through this so yeah. many times, and you're the only one who shoots straight with us. Oh, Charlotte. <laughs> Why, you little... Easy, Frank. Easy. We're just going to take this one step at a time. Now, Scooby, what do you know about the Ghostmaster? Yeah, yeah, Ghostmaster, right? He's a scary customer. <laughs> I can't deal with these riddles anymore. Listen, last time you dealt you dealt us to the right guys. You you dealt us to Raw Knots. You dealt us to the Rarlam Rogue Trotters. Who is it this time? I need a scuba snack first. <laughs> I think he's telling us that little Remy fell down a well. Nah, nah, I've seen this before. He's a junkie. You want your Scooby Snacks? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, but just one, and then we get what we want. Just one? Okay. <laughs> All right, I'll talk. Who's the Ghostmaster? The Ghostmaster is Vincent Price. This is a warning to all living mortals that whosoever opens this chest of demons will release 13 of the most terrifying ghosts upon the face of the earth. Also, uh, Ben Ben lives in Philly, so expect sirens at some point. It's part of my accent now. <laughs> Speaking in tongues. <laughs> it's a... Yeah, I just, you know, I was heading to the wee <laughs> Is that a regional thing? <laughs> are you trying to are you trying to scat right now? What's going on? <laughs> um So um Excellent. Yeah, so Nick. Is it Nick? Do I call you Nick? Yeah, you got it. Nick. Yeah. Hi. Uh my name is Ben. We've never met and Hi, I don't ben. even remember how you know Zane. <laughs> Friend of a friend's of an uh, acquaintance. I got Facebook messaged. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> you you've been drafted. Um nice. I I've been yeah. wanting to do a Scooby Doo for a while and you seem to be the mm. expert. <laughs> Uh, so it appears. <laughs> you seem to be the expert of an appropriate fame level to come on this podcast. <laughs> sure. No disrespect to you, and maybe a little disrespect to us. Oh, well, I mean, our, our our most well-known uh, guest podcaster is just a guy who likes horror and a bunch of German things. Are you kidding me? That sounds like the <laughs> internet. Uh, let me hook you up with Dan Caves, then. <laughs> me and my buddy, we wrote a, uh, a Scooby-Doo musical in college. 
And um, <laughs> so this goes was, deep. Yeah, You've this, been at this oh, for a while. Roots, there's roots in the firmament. It's been happening for a long time. I think it's based upon my uh, crush on the one-armed girl who worked at the Family Dollar when I bought the fir- complete first and second season of Scooby-Doo on DVD. <laughs> a tale as old as time. Yeah, You're just you know. throwing nouns and adjectives together. <laughs> yeah, my life is a Mad Lib, basically. Uh, but we so we wrote this musical and we didn't know if the character who was going to play Scooby-Doo could do the voice. So we wrote into the beginning that Scooby collapses and has to have an operation (laughs) and they find a bicycle chain wrapped around his throat. And that's why he talked like that. So if he could do it, great. He keeps talking like that. If he couldn't, we have an easy out. (laughs) I, I, I have nothing to add. How long have you been doing Scooby impressions? Oh, uh, not that long, actually. It, it started about mid-podcast. <laughs> oh, wow. I mid-this podcast. Jeez. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I, about, about ten minutes? How long have we been going? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was one of those th- things. I saw Frank Welker do it, and I was just kind of like, oh, I think I can figure that out. Noted and more Frank Welker. What a treasure. Ha- have you seen the... Um, uh, documentary, Hey, I Know That Voice? Uh, yeah, uh, funded by, um, uh, John DiMaggio, yeah, super yeah, good. Yeah, oh my gosh, I'm such a huge fan of that whole thing, and, like, I watched them, and I'm like, oh, I want to do that, and then I play around, and I'm like, mm, nope, Yeah, not it's, not, it's not quite there. Um, we, we have a lot to talk about, so we should, uh, get started. Ben, yeah, want to introduce um, us? Yeah, so, uh, welcome everybody, my name is Ben. And my name is Zane. Introduce you, yourself. You oh, can... sorry. My name is Nick. <laughs> and this is the Cartoncast. We review old cartoons and see what we think of them as adults. Cartoncast, where are you? The 13 ghosts of the Cartoncast. This is a warning to all living mortals that whosoever downloads this podcast will release 73 episodes of the Cartoncast upon the face of the earth. Zane loves doing that. <laughs> uh, I, I, I have to get a bit in. <laughs> Yeah, before I uh, just steamroll through the rest of the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> uh, and today we are watching the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. But first, uh, let us yes. let introduce <laughs> our ghost. Um, Nick, please uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, uh, yeah, I'm, um, I, I run the uh, What's With You Scooby-Doo podcast. One of uh, two Scooby-Doo podcasts, I believe. Uh, the other one being in Canada. And I, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, Jesus, what, what about me? I'm a stand-up comedian. I, uh, man, I'm just not the, that interesting. These, these stand-up comedians, Zane, where do you find them? It seems like know, everybody man. you know who you invite on is a stand-up comedian. I go out at night, and whoever <laughs> comes back with me, they're on the podcast. Let me tell you yeah. something. If there's free food involved, stand-up comedians are there. <laughs> it's, much, yeah, it's much the same way with grad students let me just push this hoagie through the microphone <laughs> yeah yeah your payment but yeah I, uh, thank you I, for your patronage it's funny that you got uh that you guys contacted me i'm a i'm a weird obsessive about scooby-doo i find it totally fascinating all of its facets fascinating so, so, yeah. facets is also the name of my new band anyway um <laughs> well well like i said delightful. you know i've i've wanted to do some scooby-doo for a while and you know it's so broad that i figure okay you can't start at the original series start with one of these weird spin-offs and i figure that you would know enough that i didn't have to go back through 
all of the lore and that you could be a nice uh, uh, fact master. Oh, t- yeah, and and I've spent way too much time by myself theorizing about these things. <laughs> so this is actually one of the rare occasions Does where the really person not those glasses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, they're just there's no prescription in there. She just wants to look cool and hipster. So this is one of the rare occasions where the person that we have a guest onto our podcast is actually like someone we further <laughs> furtherly incised. Like their scope is even more zoomed in than ours is. <laughs> So you you specialized. You're the Kantar Carton cast like specialized and, version, and it's neat. I I've been listening to some episodes of your podcast, and you have like guests on who are like directly affiliated with Scooby Doo. What does that mean? Uh, directly affiliated? Yeah, I had a I had a guy named James Bladen on, who's um he's great. He does uh, music editing for a lot of different TV shows, uh, including. Hold on, let me let me see if I can pimp right now. Underground on the WGN network. Um, check it out. I think it just showed up on Hulu. Anyways, oh wow, uh, enough pimping. Um, so he was a music editor for. Johnny Bravo, which was on in the 90s, if anybody remembers. Oh, and we know. <laughs> we can't forget. <laughs> so they actually did a Scooby-Doo crossover episode. Yes, they did. He, and so he was the music editor for that. God, that episode was so good. Yeah, it's, it's an amazing episode. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. So yeah, the the song for that, uh, he he was intimately familiar with it. and I, I love the way that they portrays, portray Scooby and Shaggy in that episode. <laughs> Just like they show up in a new room and they're like, hey, Scoob, like, dig this crazy broom closet. Maybe there's food inside. <laughs> it's it's the right mixture of making fun of them without making them just total potheads like uh, Harvey Birdman did. You can't oh, make yeah, the absolutely. argument in that episode that they weren't accurately portraying Scooby and Shaggy. No, 100%. Well, I, and I think one of my favorite parts of that entire episode is when Johnny Bravo and Velma bump into each other. Oh, yeah. And uh, they both lose their glasses and Velma says the eponymous, my glasses. I can't see without my glasses. And Johnny Bravo goes, my glasses. I can't be seen without my glasses. <laughs> so Which good. is the excuse I now use when I don't have them on. <laughs> it's it's maybe one of the greatest puns that didn't make it into a 40-year run of a TV show. <laughs> uh, Man, I'm so glad that you brought up the Johnny, Johnny Bravo Scooby-Doo crossover. Yeah. So I do know quite a bit about scooby-doo and uh, as well as cartoons i have a, a glancing knowledge okay yeah. um, if we were to speak mathematically i'm uh, i'm the, the the line segment that hits tangent to the curve i'm derivative let's call the tangent <laughs> what but i appreciate that you used a lot of extra words same that's good uh, same we we talked about this only amongst ourselves <laughs> Also, didn't I just say that I'm a cartoon expert? <laughs> He's just holding you to his own rigorous standards. I like that. I like that. Don't let Which don't don't pull pedantry. any punches. Let's do this. So, uh, if you mind, if you don't mind, if you, I guess, also if you mind, I'm probably still gonna ask it. Uh, sure. What what draws you to Scooby Doo specifically? Ooh, all right. Uh, so I. It's funny you bring. Oh that man, up. I <laughs> should I just read to, your uh, Wikipedia page? Would yeah, that be right. easier? Just pe- gaze into to... his soul. <laughs> Only blackness resides there. I don't know why I just turned into a Game of Thrones <laughs> I am character. <the> knight. <laughs> yeah, you turned turn into Christian Bale, it seemed like. <laughs> Let me tell you guys something. <laughs> uh, so, I, I actually have to give a talk 
to a get ready for this a uh, gentleman's dinner club mm. about uh-huh. Scooby Doo. Is that as great down as by the towns? Yeah, yeah, down by the docks. <laughs> Ooh, I, I, I'm very, I'm very fascinated. But I've been like really mulling this over and trying to figure out how to make it cogent to a group of people who are buying me dinner. And um, <laughs> so it I, starts out. You remember that one time in Scooby Doo when Johnny Bravo bumped into Velma and right. Uh, I think what's fascinating to me about Scooby Doo is that it is ubiquitous. Uh, so, for yeah. example, there, there are certain things. So, if I say, uh, uh, complete the sentence, Luke, I am your father, obviously. We need a bigger boat. Father, obviously. <laughs> this is a fun game. <laughs> yeah, right. So, there are, there are these things that it doesn't matter where you are, who you are. For some odd reason, they're so omnipresent in a sort of socially conscious, like, almost like collective unconscious way oh yeah so like let's split up yeah let's split up jinkies zoinks uh scooby snacks sure all these sort of things i I, i'm not entirely sure why in 1969 when a bunch of busybodies from massachusetts chose to say that cartoons were too violent and two dudes listened to frank sinatra heard the phrase scooby dooby doo and said where are you and spawned a show with four kids and a dog that we'd be almost 50 years later still talking about it. Yeah, and, and literally what's a mainstay it. of culture almost like what is this is going to be remembered because because you know there's other shows, you know, Hanna-Barbera cartoons that are still very, you know, popular. Everyone knows the Jetsons, Yogi Bear. Jetsons, Why did yeah. Scooby Doo stay on and be kind of reincarnated in all of these different series? Also, has gone through probably some of the most uh, horrific iterations ever. Maybe I mean, you know, like the <laughs> live action mean? movies are oh man atrocious. Uh, but they're, I mean, they're a product of the time, and like once you start to break down the elements, you're like, oh, I totally understand what's happening here, but. It's fascinating that it it transcends specific moments. It literally is an archetype unto itself, which is just yeah. completely fascinating to me. I think it's I think it's interesting, Zane. You bring up that uh, you know Flintstones and Jetsons and stuff like that are all of the same kind of Hanna Barbera mold, but this one is the one that stuck. It's almost as though they were like vying for supremacy, and this one's just like the avatar of old. 60s Hanna-Barbera cartoon just like the one that beat out everything else and that's the one that gets remembered evolution yeah yeah it's really um, interesting though yeah it's very permeable uh you think uh, like Scooby-Doo was in the Laugh Olympics and like all those weird kind of things the wacky races and all that kind of stuff Uh, I want to talk about this show in particular so just a little bit of production history uh the 13 goes to Scooby-Doo uh, ran on ABC in 1985 and later on USA and Cartoon Network. It was the seventh series of Scooby-Doo shows, which started, as you said, in 1969 and was made by Tom Ruger, who also did a pup named Scooby-Doo, and Ruby and Spears, who invented the original show. Um, my main question for you is, you know, what separates this incarnation from the other ones? Have, have you done? Have you talked about this one on, on your podcast before? Oh, uh, we've watched a, co- a couple episodes, yeah. Um, uh, well, first of all, it's, it's, I think, possibly the only one to be canceled. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Were the other ones just forgotten about? What do you mean? No, I mean, I, I this was... Is a pup's name Scooby-Doo still running? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. If Got that to catch was up on. the case... I would literally be peeing myself in joy right now. <laughs> not, not in fear. Are you kidding me? That there show does not like hold up well, Nick. Years? Oh no, I love that show. I love oh, that show man. absolutely. It's like it's I'm, like I'm old with Nick on this one, Ben. I'm turning in my own brother on this one. <laughs> I remember being sick from school one day when I was like, I don't know, it was like I was like 18 or something. And I was like, oh sweet, it's, I can actually watch Pup Named Scooby Doo now. And I remember very distinctly that being the moment when I realized I had matured, was that I didn't care for Pup Named Scooby Doo anymore. Like with the crazy 60s, like Little Shop of Horrors soundtrack constantly yeah. playing in the background. It's one of oh, my favorite things. And the the incredibly imaginable and migratable character of Red Herring. I, I'll never get tired of him. <laughs> He's so great. Just, Especially just, the one episode, it's Red Herring. Yeah, nature's <laughs> straw man. I love just him. Just put him in everything. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, yeah, I, I will I will go to bat for Pup Names. <laughs> All right, fair, fair um, enough. But, but yeah, Zane's it, question stands. Uh, what about this iteration? The, yeah, so it is the first series to get canceled. It's also it. One of the fascinating things about going through Scooby Doo in general is looking at how they try to adapt it to keep it going. So Hanna Barbera, by and large, is very on the surface about being viable and like trying to get the kids in i mean this is the production company that brought us a happy days cartoon an i dream of genie cartoon you know they, they are they are not subtle in any way shape or form trying to market to the populace and be like get on in here i mean flintstones was <laughs> essentially just the honeymooners so exactly like it's the same idea yeah, and and once Scooby Doo hit, you get Fang Face, Jabberjaw, uh, you know, uh, <laughs> oh, the Funky Jabberjaw. Phantom, uh, a- any number of weird kids with a companion trying to solve ghost mysteries. You know, I, they are the greatest at not being subtle, and it's it's really a beautiful study. So, Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo comes about in the eighties at a point where, like, they're still trying to find their way. Scooby and Scrappy really is just grating on the nerves and really horrible. <laughs> it's, it's, it's We'll talk about Scrappy. I want to I sidebar into there for a minute later on. but <laughs> Sure, yeah. They didn't kick him out for this one. They were like, keep him around. Sooner or later, it's going to work. <laughs> Let's yeah, have he, a second one. <laughs> yeah, right. Let's literally take that. And uh, Scrappy... Scrappy, to me, makes the most sense. Once again, it makes sense because you can see we uh, how do we how do we continue? Okay, well, we have a cowardly dog. What happens if we have a brave dog? Oh, Mm. okay. Who's this brave dog going to be? Well, he's going to be he's going to be able to enunciate. Number one. Number two. (laughs) He's going to be his nephew in like a weird genealogy that never gets mentioned. Oh, yeah. uh, the genealogy starts to get really messed up. To, <laughs> Taking a page from Donald the Duck there. Cousins, you get like, uh, uh, oh, I'm trying to remember some of their names. Didn't he have like a, like a wild a West D. brother? Oh yeah, of course he did. Uh, Scooby Dumb. <laughs> or sure, what are you talking about here? I love, I love that you're on our show, Nick. <laughs> I mean, yeah, um, it's it's absolutely it's insane. So. 
you get the idea that you see the updated mystery machine, which uh, has more TV monitors than anybody knows what to do with, because that was technology in the 80s. Yeah, it's like a CIA van. Yeah, absolutely. And it's red. (laughs) Um, And they have the... Red was big uh, in the 80s. Sure. Just the name? They have the sexy female... Just the name, Red. (laughs) Yeah, people love Red. What's up, Red? That's a name you can trust. You know, in the Cold War era, you really need names you can bring home to mom. We all wear big sunglasses and put them at the edge of our nose when women walk by. Hey, Red. They have the sexy female accompanist uh, who does nothing except keep them in line, and they get to be wacky. I mean, it's, it's, it's so amazing how they try and be like, I don't know how this is going to work. And now, well, the celebrity thing works, so let's just throw Vincent Price in. Yeah, they injected <laughs> Vincent Price into the mix. I gotta wonder how excited he was to be on this. He must have like, loved it. He could have been anywhere on the spectrum of, like, can't believe I'm being forced to do this versus this is the only thing that matters in my I don't, life. I, I, I don't like no to think that Vincent Price does anything that he's not ecstatic about. I like to think that he's really into it. Like, in one of the episodes, he's like, oh, I slept so well last night, I must have had 20 nightmares. <laughs> oh, man, you made that line up. No one gave like that to you. Monsters logic. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but like you said, um, so this, this show came out in 85, one year after Ghostbusters. Um, mm. cle- clearly an influence. Uh, mm-hmm. Is this the first Scooby-Doo thing where the ghosts are real? That was um, what I was thinking. I, I This is like the first one that I knew about that had actual supernatural things in it, and I think that really makes it a lot less palatable as a mainstay. Interesting. Like, uh, I think that the most fantasy thing in Scooby-Doo should be that the dog talks. Like, that should be, <laughs> that's the pinnacle. <laughs> Everything else is rubber not, rub, rubber masks and Don Knotts. <laughs> like that, that's where Scooby Doo is now, for me. Now wait a minute here. <laughs> By the way, no that way. should be the new name of your podcast. Rubber <laughs> masks, masks, rubber masks, 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 masks. And knots. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I took a home last night. Rubber masks and dumb knots. <laughs> <laughs> but but like, oh. <laughs> hey, I thought my wife was bad. <laughs> <laughs> your wife is bad. I I think that uh. I think that Scooby-Doo doesn't really function well with the fantasy thing, but I think that also might be biased from appreciating classic Scooby-Doo. Like, if they're not all walking in profile through a mansion and then, you know, running through a bunch of conspicuously closely placed doors while a monster chases them, it doesn't feel like Scooby-Doo to me. Yeah. Uh, the the interesting take on that, uh, so there's a guy... Pardon me. Excuse me. Last one. The ghosts are escaping. <laughs> God. Uh, so the interesting take on that, uh, there's a guy who wrote some articles for Paste Magazine, I believe. His name is Chris Morgan. And his take on Scooby-Doo is that it's it's more about the journey. So it's about the mobility of Scooby-Doo, the fact that they're in a van. And that's what he finds to be the most uh, salient fact between all the franchises. I disagree to a certain extent. The most and important thing about Scooby-Doo is there's a van? <laughs> really? Well, I, I, I'm moving more in a philosophical sense, and I'm also reducing his argument a little bit. Uh, but the idea being that they, they move is, is and that they have agency is kind of his, uh-huh. his point. Uh, 
I more am I, I side with and on my side I just have Carl Sagan in my corner of the <laughs> ring. So, you know, don't don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. So it, he, he's nobody to worry about. Uh, but so Carl Sagan it loved Scooby Doo. He wanted an adult version of Scooby Doo because it promoted What does that mean? <laughs> Jinkies. Wow, gang, looks like this hooker's been murdered. It was old man Jenkins all along. I guess we're just uh. all alone here. Like slice. <laughs> Time to bring out the mystery machine. <laughs> oh, jeez. There's a more raunchy connotation. <laughs> it gives a Sorry, whole new saying. meaning to Scooby Snack. Uh <laughs> Much, much. Anyways, uh, but the idea being that it's all about inquiry. It's all about their inability to let something slide. Uh They always need to solve a mystery. So whether it's supernatural or not, they always debunk it. That's it can be supernatural, but they say like, oh, it is supernatural, but it's this guy. So 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo also does that to a certain extent. I don't think it necessarily does that successfully. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not about to just make that argument. <laughs> sure. Well, I, I don't know. The, the, one of the things that I found a problem within this, this specific show, and, and maybe why it's not as well regarded as some others, is the fact mm-hmm. that I didn't feel like they were doing much. Like, they go places and things happen to them there's there's something to the fact that they're in numerous locations as opposed to just being in a mansion that uh, or the woods like Mm. them switching up that environmental formula does something for it but i think it takes away more than it adds um specifically in the characters which we'll get to in a minute i wanted to point out something uh interesting about the 13 ghosts of scooby-doo which is that it was kind of it was produced in the era of uh do you guys remember satan fever kind of going on in the church where everybody was like oh the kids they're getting a bunch of satanic influence from their games and movies and stuff like that yeah wasn't that a uh it it was a uh that was an argument used against uh what was the space invaders right sure or and the there was like that dead alewives watchtower sketch for uh Mm. for D &D. (laughs) um that kind of made fun of it dead alewives sketch Dungeons and Dragons, Satan's Game. Your children, like it or not, are attracted in their weaker years to the occult, and a game like D&D fuels their imagination and makes them feel special while drawing them deeper and deeper into the bowels of El Diablo. <laughs> All right, deep cut, deep cut. <laughs> what? <laughs> are you not thinking about that constantly? Hey, you, um, remember, you remember that guy who made Community and his funny buddy who directs stuff, who directed the Lego movie? <laughs> they were in a sketch group back in the 90s, and that stuff's still available on YouTube. <laughs> That's how I'm new D&D, man. <laughs> but in this era of Satan Fever, when this came out... Mm. There was a Christian fundamentalist documentary called Deception of a Generation that used 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo to make the point that kids were being influenced by the occult through their cartoons. You shut your mouth right now. I've been watching it for like the past 10 minutes before we recorded it. It's so awesome. The guy who's like talking about it is like, and in this cartoon, there's things like crystal balls and astral projection and ghosts and things that, you know, witchcraft actually does and i'm like hmm, i don't know about that last part <laughs> this is like the guy who says that uh uh back to the future predicted 9-11 right <laughs> yeah 
uh, right, or, or the Sutherland landowner who says that that black guy sold his soul to the devil. Of course, Wait, that actually yeah. did happen. But my favorite line of all time that I've ever heard in anything is literally the guy who's saying that Back to the Future predicted 9/11. He goes, "He's you see, uh, uh, not Crispin Glover." Uh, upside down, <laughs> hovering the thing in the living room, and the guy goes, this film is literally crawling with 9-11 symbolism. <laughs> God, I love how omnipresent Dale Gribble is in all these old things. <laughs> so good. Uh, anyway, I, I just wanted anyways, to draw attention uh, yeah, to that, because so, I think so that yes. that is very funny. Yeah. Also, I mean, yeah, it, it, uh... Someone goes to the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo and is like, this is what's ruining the kids. This specifically. <laughs> well, but fascinatingly enough, I, I think in, oh, and God, I know I'm just, I'm riffing right now, so I'm sure I'm going to say something that's wrong. But this is Good. also in well, an era... Smarter. <laughs> this is in an era where cartoons by and large, or the most successful cartoons, are completely based in... Capitalism. I mean, we're looking. Oh yeah, this is literally the dark age of animation where they were doing really heavy merchandising, accompanying their shows like He Man um, and uh, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice. If you want a weirder example, sure. Or Hasbro literally has shows on TV. A toy company is funding GI Joes and Transformers. Oh sure, and like My Little Pony. Yeah. Yeah. This exactly. was the decade where that happened before Walt Disney came in and was like, let's just make everybody watch our shows all the time and went with DuckTales. Sure. So this or is actually just and one Network. year before that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, absolutely. Uh, and uh, 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 Fred Seibert will come in, what, <sighs> Fred. four years later, and what a cartoon show will come out, or oh, so any good. number of those. Uh, uh, you get the this new wave of... You know, the John K's, Chris Felucci, uh, or uh, Craig Kakowski, uh, not Craig Kakowski, um, Craig, um, oh, Jesus, uh, Powerpuff Girls. Um, oh, um, McCracken. McCracken, yeah. Oh, yeah, Or yeah. Uh, Jendi Tartakovsky or any of those. We just did uh, We just did Dexter's Lab. Gendi's awesome. Yeah. We, yeah we I want to do Clone Wars at some point. That? Is What's it Gendi or Gendi? Gendi, I believe. Okay. Yeah. I, I have no idea. It Gendy. It's a, it's like the first time I ever said um, uh, Dagus instead of Dega, and someone was like, <laughs> "You're an idiot." And Dagus. I was like, "It's not Las Vegas." Like, Alexander Dumbass. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I've never. Um, I'm sorry. I think I. I think I lost the the thread here. How does this re- uh, relate back to the capitalism of Scooby Doo? We were just saying names so that we could all recollect how Feel great smart. of a name Fred is. But it, y- okay. this was an this was in an era of pure capitalism. Cartoons that were generating revenue through toy sales. So how do you get people to come into your cartoon and watch it if you don't actually have a toy that they can watch it with? You know, they're um. not huddled up under a blanket with their their own chest that they open up and 13 ghosts <laughs> pop out like a jack-in-the-box you know <laughs> i mean they, they had like scooby-doo mansions and stuff right uh they have them now i'm not entirely sure if they had them in the 80s hmm. although that could be fun they had yeah. video games i know that i, I can't oh, yeah. imagine like action figures of the 
of the of Scooby Doo's gang looking any good at all. Like try, trying to like sculpt Shaggy's chin would be just a test of the ages. And it's like also, Michelangelo could not do that shit. And if you look at some of the early ones, it's literally flesh colored. <laughs> like flesh is popping out of his toy makers. Chin. No, it's we don't so want that. Awkward. It's too gross. <laughs> um. So Ben, in case anybody doesn't know or couldn't tell from our conversation, what is this show about? Uh, okay, well, I guess the first episode kind of cuts it nice and dry, is that Vincent Price shows up and tells Scooby and Shaggy, don't open that box, and then these ghosts are like, you should open that box. Scooby <laughs> and Shaggy, open that box, because they're idiots, <laughs> and then Vincent Price tells them, well, now you gotta go get those ghosts and put them back in that box. <laughs> Thanks, Ben. <laughs> Any, anyone else want to jump in on that? No, nailed it. That's like, literally the plot. <laughs> I could give you like more like factoids, like they set up a game show and trick him into, but who cares? <laughs> no, the whole first episode was so circuitous. Like, yes. like they're, they they're used started. to going into haunted mansions. Why do they need all this setup? <laughs> <laughs> I don't really know. Like, they've never needed setup for anything else that Scooby Doo did. Did they ever like show them like meeting in college and being like, we should just quit our lives and go solve mysteries in weird mansions? <laughs> Hey, we're driving it around. We're having a good time. No, I, I always thought that that was one of my favorite parts was that, like, they live the dream. They drive around the country. <laughs> yeah, they're doing that Tim, Tim O'Leary friends. thing. Yeah. I mean, they have their best friends in a van. Literally, people they want to spend every day with. Yeah, and, and the dog. go visit Gotta take you know, the dog. professors in a museum and stuff. Doing drugs all the time. <laughs> Following the Grateful Dead. Yeah, it does look like a tour bus. <laughs> Now this is this is this is a point that I I don't know why my voice has to get high, but I'm gonna do it. This is a point that I contest all the time. Scrappy, <laughs> let me at him. Why let me at him? <laughs> I I I think the drug thing. Uh, I've always been a fan of uh, debunking that. Uh, just hmm. because I, I, I feel like it's far less interesting by this point. I feel like when the first person said it in maybe 1970, it was interesting. But by this point, like it's like, all right, fine. They, oh, they eat a lot. I guess they got the munchies. You know, yeah. It, that was yeah. It, that was just the language at the time. Like it didn't even more, really need to be connected to drugs. <laughs> yeah, it's more interesting to think about it without drugs you know what i'm saying like the same way yeah. it's more interesting to think about frank zappa not being on drugs you know <laughs> uh, yeah no yeah i, I, mean, I the guess world, that makes sense i, I never definitely more engaging if not i never really engaged with these characters in a non-druggy context like that's just how they always made <laughs> sense to me and it's how other shows have had purported them like uh harvey birdman attorney at law had that scooby-doo episode um, oh that, sure and then uh, also Venture Brothers had that Scooby-Doo riff, which yep. which is uh, really dark uh, and satisfying. Jane, Silent Bob strike back. They meet up yeah, with them like, and they cut out their livers. At this point, <laughs> at this point, the joke itself is removed enough from the cartoon that, like, I don't know, we can keep those two things on separate tracks, and I don't, I don't have any problem with it. Yeah, I think it's also moved into hack territory. Right, at this point, it's. I think that Scooby-Doo has been running for so long that you can say, Shaggy isn't a druggie, Shaggy is just a Shaggy, and that happens to do drugs. Like, there's just, like, a step removed from a druggie, like, what a druggie actually is. Like, he's just or, a Shaggy. That's like, Shaggy and Sto Scooby as stoners is basically what's the deal with airline food. 
by this point. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. Like, same thing. <laughs> it is a, it, that in itself could be a fascinating cultural phenomenon, but it's, ne- but there's nowhere to go if you're trying to use that as the premise for your, for to, to move forward, you know? I also yeah, like the I also like the interpretation that they're not running away because they're getting paranoid or the freakouts or whatever the hell they call it. Um, oh, yeah. I, I like I like the idea of just unapologetic cowards, you know, in my show, <laughs> which is like, what uh, Eddie Izzard says. Oh, I love that. Really, uh, Eddie. In case you were wondering about the uh, uh, social impact of Scooby Doo, Eddie Izzard, <laughs> world touring comedian, has a bit about Scooby Doo in one of his specials. Oh, that's great. And the whole bit is about how popular Shaggy and Scooby are, so it's oh even God. better. Fantastic, because they are cowards. They are cowardly characters. They believe in cowardice and sandwiches. And, uh, and can you think of any in the whole realms of the English-speaking literature that, that are characters like that, cowardly characters that you identify with? Because you identify with, you're with them all the way. Go, Shaggy, go, Scooby. <laughs> the rest of the guys who drive the van, fuck off. <laughs> Scrappy do a magnum. I think I think if I remember correctly, he says that they are the most important literary characters of America. <laughs> yeah, I I would mm. believe that. So Absalom, Absalom, like all of Faulkner, all of Hemingway, throw it away. <laughs> Don't need it. <laughs> all we need is soing. Yep, <laughs> or jinkies. Um, uh, but. To get back to our character synopsis, Scooby and Shaggy, they're the same as they've always been, more or less. Daphne is nothing, so let's just move right on. There's some missing elements in this show from the regular gang. I think that Fred is probably my favorite character in Scooby-Doo, so it's weird (laughs) seeing him not here. Interesting. Okay, yeah. He seemed... He seems like the only self-aware character, like, oh, I'm in a Scooby and Shaggy cartoon, I get it. Yeah, he's so even-keeled through all the ridiculous behavior that he puts his friends through. Like, it seems like he's just, he's he's on the longest, like, prank you can imagine. He's playing the longest prank con that, that could possibly happen. Yeah, so he, by and large, he is literally the getaway driver. And he's also just like a hardy boy if he grew up. <laughs> yes, yes, oh, absolutely. Like, very... I know like he's from a different generation. Kind of has, Everyone yeah, else it, is the seventies. He is like the sixties, or the fifties. Oh, even I mean, the fifties. Yeah, I guess. like Eisenhower, Boy Scout. Like, yeah, you know, you never have to worry. Mom and Apple Pie. Yeah, yeah. He, he's he's before like football player or jock became pejorative. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All like, all American football hero, and and his absence unhinges the show. I, I would agree with that. I, I would agree that uh, we've reached a point past innocence. Uh, innocence is not <laughs> going to play anymore. Irony has to take the day. We've seen, uh, you know, uh, uh, Nixon get impeached. We've seen Vietnam, and we've now, seen some shit, man. Yeah. So, so Fred, Fred's world is gone fundamentally by the time. That's this why comes I liked around. him so much, though. <laughs> Exactly, and why he's so unbelievably effective in Pup Named Scooby-Doo or uh, Mystery Incorporated as this absolute power. Well, but, but, but also the power of innocence. Like, innocence is not necessarily pejorative in those uh, 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 shows. It actually is an empowering thing because it promotes agency. You know what I'm saying? Right. 
Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I, I like but the, it doesn't I, live in this world. I actually like Fred when he's like grown up beyond the age at which innocence is acceptable and he hasn't changed at all. It sort of reminds me of like John Arbuckle. He's just like refusing to mature. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Just it's like retreating into his own brain. Development. It's it's beautiful. Um, mm. We also have Velma is not there. Yep. Which is unfortunate yeah. because I thought that in the other Scooby-Doo cartoons, Velma always brought like this brainy set of verbs to kind of uh, for the gang to catch the ghost to, to resolve the plot and now and the force of skepticism they don't have that yeah and to yeah. force some skepticism sure and now they have flim flam <laughs> double down on Scrappy <sighs> yeah who, who it's just such a like your choice of a character <laughs> it's, it's it's just short round right I oh, I'm gonna be honest in this in this show specifically I actually preferred flim flam over Scrappy. I fucking hate <laughs> Flim Flam. <laughs> I mean, he's a weird choice. What are you so, talking about, guys? Can, can we talk about Flim Flam and why he's and why he talks like Ella Fitzgerald? Or like so a like a, a carnival kid. barker, right? Yeah, he's a tiny brown PT <laughs> Barnum. Step right up. <laughs> it's so weird. <laughs> okay, so the actual explanation. So there's this kid who helps out the gang. He met them and he's like, I'm with you. Uh, and <laughs> I'm with you until I can sell your kidneys. He's got these items and various know-how and dumb jokes for the younger kids. Fine. Why is he a con man? Is Flim Flam a common Latino name? Why was he in the Himalayas? Is he an orphan? Why does he have the help of a warlock? Like, there's so many unanswered questions here. How did they... I I accept that once he was in the show, they're like, okay, fine, the kids like him. But, like, how did they come up with this? Also, what's up with his resting perv face? (laughs) He's got, like, this, like, little cat smile on all the time. Like, he's trying to, like, peep into girls' lockers. RPF? Are you talking about RPF right now? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Yeah, RPF, definition. Is, RPF is about, like, a 79%, I think, on this. <laughs> We're going to the RPF just, meter, and the RPF meter is really going off the charts right now. <laughs> For less than a cup of coffee in the morning, you can prevent a child from having RPF. <laughs> Donate today. Where are we on the charts? We have 35 collars. <laughs> I, I actually think that I like the way Flim Flam looks. Like, I like his model, and I, I, I dig his sweatshirt. Yeah, he's Fifle, right? Yeah. yeah. He's Fifle from An American Tale. He's got the big hat. He's got the floppy clothes. He's a Russian immigrant, but made into, like, a weird Mexican kid. <laughs> Yeah, no, and I mean he's still kind of like that uh, that spirit of opportunity thing going on with his like constant weird talk show radio personality trying to like steal possessions. It's 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 really it, he's really weird, and I don't think he yeah. adds a lot in. Like I think he was the answer to not having Velma because yeah, he adds this guile to the gang's like behavior. Like if you need something done, if you need like a contact, or if you need an interesting way to kind of trick the monster, he'll probably be the one to come up with it. Mm. Um, yeah. I just don't like I, I, him very much. I didn't, no, I didn't think he was that bad on his... I didn't think he was that bad on his own. I think it's just the overlap with Scrappy. You don't need two characters fulfilling this role. Yeah, let's the, talk the about Scrappy for a confidence. second. Yeah. Oh, Scrappy, sure. Yeah, it, uh, overbearing confidence that is not deserved by how old he is. Like, it just doesn't make right. sense. And, and not deserved by ability. I don't know. He's pretty effective. Flim Flam always brings in something, although it never seems plausible what they bring in. Uh, Scrappy, <laughs> mm-hmm. Scrappy originally was fascinating 
even though he was annoying as shit, he, he was fascinating because he brought absolute unabashed confidence with <laughs> no ability whatsoever. I sort of like that. Everything was him boxing as they dragged him away. What, what was Let me at him! Did... Let me at him! <laughs> what was that thing that uh, Dan was talking about the other episode, the Dunning-Kruger effect, where you're so incompetent oh, yeah. in something that you are convinced of your competence? Yeah, yeah. That's sort of happening with Scrappy. Sorry, sorry. Danning Kruger effect? The Dunning Kruger effect, yeah. I think? This idea that there is a lower threshold of competence about something below which you don't understand what competence in that thing looks like. And so hmm. you just assume that you have it. Right. So, like, Invader Zim is convinced that he's a great invader, even sure. though he's, like, by far the least ineffective person in the show. He has or rubber pants in his veins. He's got, yeah, he's got rubber pants in his veins. Yeah. Tiny radioactive rubber pants. <laughs> rubber pants or rubber bands? I've never been able to figure it out. It's nope, probably not important, guys. I, I doubt it's actually written in the script. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, oh, absolutely. It's a uh, Magoo syndrome. Uh, Magoo has no idea what's happening because he forgot his glasses perpetually, but he will walk off that piece of scaffolding and he will hit that beam, which leads him to the elevator, which leads him to his car, mm -hmm. ultimately. That might be something yeah, be else, fine. but <laughs> but I do no, appreciate I the correct. reference. I mean, blind uh, confidence to walk into the world and get something yeah. done. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely that. But, uh, mm -hmm. but overall, this is not the ideal five-man Scooby gang. No, and I miss it being like more heavily uh, like adult-centric. Like, or maybe adult-centric, investigative. Like, like older teenagers, I guess, would be better. Yeah, I don't like mm. it not being investigative. It's. I don't know why they kept Daphne. Like, is Daphne's anyone's favorite character? Uh, I think she needed to be there. I think they needed a girl. It's my guess. Sex appeal, guys. Oh, maybe <laughs> maybe just representation, and also just like to have a straight man, really. Yeah. Like nobody else is. Is um, this the most inclusive Hanna Barbera cartoon? <laughs> Having Flint that's Flint? not good. I, I guess you yeah, got, they... you also got senior citizens with Vincent Price. And dead oh. people. Yeah, yeah, very inclusive. Most most shows do not hit this high bar. Yeah, so they do have a couple of ghosts in here that are like, like comic relief for the bad guys. Oh, the yeah, two the two ghosts, right? What are their names? Weird and Bogle. Yes, Bogle yeah. sounds and like something. I don't remember. Like he sounds like he's doing an impression of something, but I don't know what it is. Uh, kind of like an Ed Wynn impression, right? There's the one that's like, uh, like, oh no! Yeah, that's the one. Is that who that yeah. is, Ed Wynn? Yeah, Ed Wynn. Uh, if you remember him from um, uh, Mary Poppins, on the the two guys who are on the ceiling laughing, and everybody goes up to the ceiling when they're laughing, and then they're like, oh, we need to leave, and Edwin's like, oh, that's sad, that's very sad. Yeah, that, that's that got to be who it is. Okay, I, I, I thought yeah. it was an impression of something, and I couldn't figure out what it was. I could only think of Sponge... I could only think of uh, the dirty bubble from SpongeBob. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, if it's not a cartoon, we have no reference point for it <laughs> yeah. Created thank by god you're Steve here Hillenberg, who worked on uh Rocco's modern life with joel murray yes um i don't like these um, <laughs> uh sorry rain man <laughs> <laughs> 10 minutes to wafner yeah um, but, but what do you people are you counting toothpicks meanwhile i'm just <laughs> i i sorry. don't like uh, these characters. ghosts at all i think their models are really uninspired I think like, I think by and large uh it 
it stands a lot with Hanna-Barbera's limited sort of idea. Um, and I would say that a lot of the villains have no bearing. They're, they're not interesting. Yeah, they're, they're non-entities. Yeah. Right. Well, I, I mean, I think in this one, because the ghosts are real, the plot's a little darker and, and they seem more dangerous than your standard Scooby-Doo villains. So oh, I, I entirely disagree. Having the ghosts, Weird and Bogle, as like people who can like screw up the villains' plans adds a little balance. It <sighs> gives a reason for why the ghosts are failing. No, you're, you're, you're counteracting your own argument, though, Zane, because these two ghosts are like there to show you that the ghost, like, like, ghostly presence is not to be afraid of at all. In Scooby-Doo... Well, not them, but the 13 ones. In Scooby... Even them. In Scooby-Doo, in like the regular Scooby-Doo cartoon, they always have no inkling of what the monster actually is. So the first time you see him, you're like, oh, shit, shit shit's popping off, you know? Mm. Uh, as many five-year-olds said um and (laughs) so (laughs) that common five-year-old phrase shit's popping off what did you guys go in the grocery rhyme (laughs) i'm looking at the wikipedia page for shit's popping off right now and it's just it's fascinating but like so they like they meet you know basically they meet old man withers and that's it and then they go explore this mansion and bam there's a wolf man like there's no lead up to what the wolf man is or if it's going to attack them or like i mean we know because of the way the format goes is that we're not gonna be afraid that this wolf man is gonna go for the jugular or anything like that but we don't we don't have any reason to anticipate that he is like farcical or needing to be comical well the ghosts totally remove that. that What I'm saying is that the 13 ghosts, you know, you got a guy who can, like, bend reality or control time or, you know. Yeah, that's the other other thing. The the fantasy elements that Vincent throws in really kind of undercut the, like, the need for the regular gang to try to survive. They're so much more passive in this. Mm -hmm. Everything is, you know, deus ex machina to a resolution. And it's not, oh, we need to set up you know, uh, a trap for the thing, and then, oh, no, the trap didn't work, but it not working ended up working. Like, that's the classic formula that works, and it breaks mm. down here, and I'm not sure where exactly it breaks down. Well, I, I, I'm i fascinated by this idea of the, uh, the universe and the ways that the rules work in that universe, and I think... I think what we're talking about is Harry Potter syndrome. Like, Harry Potter, to me... HPS, you're referring to? <laughs> yeah, I'm talking about HPS. We got, we, For we, less we, than we, a we. cup of coffee in the morning. You can, <laughs> you can donate and solve HPS for a small child. Does it have to be so sinister? You know, they always talk about HPS as the syndrome which must not be named, but I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Let's go to the board. How much money have we raised? Uh... <laughs> Shit's popping off, Don. <laughs> oh wow, it's in the negative. How'd that happen? <laughs> Laven. Um <laughs> So the, the the idea that <laughs> Harry Potter you can shut up. <laughs> You're getting nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. HPS. Once Go. again, I have a uh, I have ADD. It's fine. Uh, <laughs> no, but it's the fine. idea that in Harry, the Harry Potter universe, um, you you don't know why a wizard's more powerful than another. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's no reason why saying words should be better than another person saying words. Oh, yeah. Like, uh-huh. in Hermione this, doesn't seem like she should be better at it. She, like, sure. what, enunciates more 
or more Voldemort. Properly. Like, is there a muscle? Is there something? And I mean, it, he's it, just trying really hard. <laughs> they talk about it in Avatar: The Last Airbender as well, where they were like, we didn't want to make it seem like somebody's better at moving faster. Like, there needed to be rules to the universe. Mm-hmm. In this, I don't know what makes someone better at magic. I, yeah. I, it just I seems just, like they like have it inherently. Sure, and it just works out for them nine times out of ten. The The beauty of the original series is that they uh, they make it so absurd that when the trap doesn't work and then someone, like, flies on an ironing board or God knows what else they pull out of their sleeves, oh. it, it, it's fun. It's, it's just like, ooh, you know what? Man, I'm going to let these guys go with it because I like them so much. Uh-huh. This series, I, I I never quite... The suspension of disbelief is very hard in this series. Absolutely. And, and I feel like that kind of... That kind of gives that element to it. The sort of like like Vincent Van Gogh being like, here's the science. You know, it's that uh, 90s um Well, uh, he's trying Marvel to tell element. us what we need to know for the episode, which is fine. Sure. It's just yeah. kind of not enough. And it doesn't yeah. really measure up to the eloquent, like, simpleness of the original Scooby. Like, I'm going to go with nihilism, as I always do here. They don't need to tell us anything with the original Scooby-Doo. Like, they're hey, all people. Bro. They're all people. They can wear masks if they choose to, but they're still people afterwards. Mm-hmm. So, like, yeah. they're not using anything that we need to have explained to us. And they always have that post-mortem where they're like, oh, the reflection off of this made us think that. Here, it's just like, no, it's magic. Yeah. Sure. Uh, also, also a, uh, a point at which, um, you know, kids are... I think we've talked about it before, how, like, kids enjoy the idea of science being able to do stuff. I think we talked about it in DuckTales or something. Um, this is another example of that happening. Because once you mm. remove the mask and you see all the smoke and mirrors and everything, like it's it's usually pretty satisfying. It's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Like even yeah, though there's no supernatural like weirdness going on, it's still very satisfying. Sure, it's like watching Mythbusters. Yeah, exactly. But there's a talking dog. So I mean, you know, bones. Kind of warlock. Is <laughs> yeah. that different than Mythbusters? <laughs> So you think that Adam is just? I was gonna. I, I wasn't gonna say a name. I was gonna see which one you said. <laughs> Racist. I, I do want to say before we get farther into tone and genre that I do love that Vincent Price is here, and I that can, his name is yeah, Vincent we, Van Gogh. Yeah. Can we talk about him for a second? For quickly, let's um, go. We want to keep moving, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So, well, his his character model is kind of based off of Doctor Strange. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. but he is just like. He's telling the Scooby gang to, you know, solve these problems, but he is not really helping a lot. He just, like, looks menacingly at them. Yeah, he I hates them. <laughs> he hates them so much. I love it when they do something stupid, he's watching through the crystal ball, and he is just eating dinner, shaking his head like, ugh, them again. <laughs> yeah, I, I could do this in five minutes flat if he hadn't been the one to open the chest. <laughs> By the way, you'll have to put them in. <laughs> it puts the lotion on its skin and puts it in the box. Alright. I'd watch that movie. By the way, have you uh, seen The Great Mouse Detective? We watched it recently and it's got a Vincent Price in a very fun role. Really? I haven't watched it in years. If you want to see Vincent Price as a large rat Moriarty, then look no further. Is he Radigan? He's Radigan. Yeah. 
No do, way! Do you remember, remember that song he sings, Goodbye So Soon? It's all in his voice, and it's so delicious. I, the, the only things that I remember is the, uh, the mouse or rat, I don't really remember, who rats him out and who's drunk and, like, walks into the bottle and they, like, seal him up. Yeah. (laughs) And then I remember the uh, robotic queen. (laughs) God. Again, something in that universe that requires an explanation. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, there's such a... And that idea of having to scientifically explain things that don't make sense. Yeah. Like, you know, 90s Marvel comics and time travel. Jesus Christ. Oh, what yeah. are you guys trying to prove? You know sometimes nothing. It, sometimes it works. Sometimes you can just, like, talk about something scientific and people will accept it. Like, anything with Spider-Man, it's like... Yeah, Star yeah, Trek, sure. the next generation. Fine. Sure, yeah. <laughs> you just... You need to have a universe govern its own rules. And mm-hmm. this one doesn't really do that. It just says trust in, trust in Vincent Price, which should work, but it, for some reason it doesn't. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he can't be God. <laughs> no. And, you know, the mincing old man who hates kids on his lawn. Yeah, yeah exactly. Even, even once you factor in the presence of magic, this show is still very silly. Like, there's so much that has to be chalked up to cartoon logic. Hmm. Yeah, uh, basically any time those wacky slide whistles. Oh happen. man, yeah, or like a, uh, or like a Which guy makes it go in a down wolf, a lot smoother. A guy in a wolfman costume slipping on a banana peel or whatever, and there's like that drum set just starts playing until he crashes into a wall. <laughs> like that can't happen in this show. Um, so let's move on in tone and genre. I uh, I think this show also suffers from an involved plot line. Like I think that. Scooby-Doo really thrives on a villain of the week format, but I don't really know why I feel that way other than just nostalgia. I would point you to uh, Scooby-Doo Mystery Incorporated, which came out in 2010, to my recollection, Mm. uh, which combines the villain of the week format with ongoing plotline. It's basically Columbo meets Twin Peaks. Ooh. Okay. So I'm listening. You, I'm only halfway familiar with either of those, but continue. <laughs> uh, so what you get is, um, and, and in relation to this series, you get that idea of an ongoing plot line, which means you have to have character. You have to have development and an arc, correct? Mm. Um <laughs> I don't know why I just said that. Like, it was a test. <laughs> you, you talk like our older well, brother when he's trying to convince somebody that he's right. Yeah. You're preparing for your presentation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you in the front row. Is this right? Lead us in, get us to agree, then drop the hammer. <laughs> <laughs> um, That's how the so, cult starts. <laughs> I am the next L. Ron Hubbard. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, man. Why didn't they have L. Ron Hubbard as a celebrity guest appearance in Scooby Doo? Oh, my gosh. It would have been amazing. That would have been amazing. Fred reveals <laughs> that he's been a Scientologist the whole time. Are those DC 7s coming in, <laughs> in from the sky? <laughs> Better watch out, gang. Our Thetan levels are really low today. <laughs> so, uh. But, but, oh, lost it. There's about? there's a lot to juggle, so don't worry too much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we we can just keep going. I've got more notes on tone and genre. Sure. Um, Genius. All right. Prompt so th- 
there is one thing that I want to point to as far as uh, the the supernatural elements that I generally dislike in this show. Mm. They don't treat them very seriously. Like, mm. and I think that, like, I would have liked a show where they had supernatural elements and it was just as scary. But considering that didn't happen, at least the ghosts are all very goonish. And um, I, and uh, I would like to make a distinction between the henchmen goons, like things that are brought to life or standard ghosts, versus the ghost lords that they're trying to put back in the, the demon ghost box. lords. Very well. Mm. At least some of them are goonish. Let's go with that. And well, in it's, addition, well, I think it's logic, a, right? It's an important difference, right? Yeah. So like when Scrappy and Flim Flam, you know, <laughs> rise up and try and force different genre conventions on, you know, a mook of the enemy side. Uh, th- like uh, they try dress up like a car salesman, try to sell a car to a dragon. The dragon has oh, to sure. play along, ba- just because of what show it is. Right, and it works on the henchmen, but not the ghost. And I think that's a nice way of raising the stakes right before the climax, because it didn't work. Oh, I disagree. I think that it works for the henchmen because we're used to laughing at Scooby Doo, but not with the raised stakes because we're not used to having like, as you say, ghost lords hounding Scooby Doo. <laughs> is that not what they are? In any case, I think that the They're part kind of where monsters. I think the part where the supernatural is treated silly works kind of well, and in reaction to that, the, all the episode titles also follow this awesome uh, this awesome format of you know Treehouse of Horror style spooky puns. When you witch upon a star, I wrote a few of them down. Uh, they're all like you know, there's 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 a few there's a few titles that have spooky puns in them, such as When you witch upon a star. That's mm. monstertainment. Horror that was terrible. Horror scope Scoob and my personal favorite Scooby in Quacky Land. Oh, really? Coast to Ghost? Did I, make that? <laughs> I think Coast to Ghost it might be one of my favorites. You're not into Scooby in Quacky Land where he where he talks to Platypus Duck, his favorite comic hero? Wasn't that Daphne's TV show? Uh that was uh no. What you're talking about is Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island when uh, she, her show is Coast to Coast with Daphne Blake, and the host of the show she's on says, more of a ghost to ghost with Daphne Blake. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> that is special. I think I actually liked, I think I liked Scooby-Doo on Monster Island. Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Island or was, Zombie Island. Was, I think, the only thing I had seen except for the original. Like, it was the first thing that wasn't the original that I had seen, and I was so into it as a kid. Yeah, have I remember guys, that being pretty good. Have you guys covered um, uh, SWAT Cats yet? We have not. No. But you've seen it? Uh, I don't think I have, actually. A little okay. before our time. Great show. Uh, Hanna-Barbera, before it was in... It, it, it was a victim of Hanna-Barbera being bought out by Turner. Uh, mm. But Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island is a rejected script from SWAT Cats. Oh, no kidding. <laughs> no. That would explain a lot. You, you know, Scooby-Doo and Zombie Island, if I remember correctly, and I don't know why this one scene is sticking in my head, is they come across a zombie and Fred, like, tries to take its mask off take because that's off. what they're used to. But then the head comes off and they all freak out. And it's like, that's such a good way to deal with that. Because, <laughs> and that was, that was in the trailer, because this time the monsters are real. Yeah. And that song, yeah. Terror Time? Way to, way, to, way to ruin the surprise in the marketing. <laughs> well, because there's another plot twist. But also, this time the monsters are real. 1980, 1985, we're watching it. We're, we're talking about a series where the monsters are real. <laughs> right. This has been fundamental 
for over twenty for, for ten <laughs> at least twelve years. They were they were just tweaking the fundamentalist Christians' noses at this. This is all that was. <laughs> they this will really themselves. get stuck in their craw. <laughs> Um, and that's another thing about the genre that I want to bring up is how self-aware this show has become since mm. its inception. Scooby-Doo sure. or 13 Absolutely. Ghosts? Scooby-Doo. Like, they, they've they been doing this so long, they can lead you around and subvert your expectations. Like, they know what you're, what you're expecting. I guess yeah. that's true. I don't have a breadth of knowledge that, like, uh, uh, that will allow me to confirm or deny that. But, uh, Nick, thoughts? <laughs> Well, I mean, absolutely. Early on, you don't get a lot of the meta jokes, especially since meta jokes were not really in in cartoons until, uh, like, Pup Named Scooby-Doo. You get a lot of them. 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, oh, sure. you really don't get that many. Uh, but once you start Oh, yeah, with Velma into... being like, Velma said jinkies. It must be a clue. Yeah, that right. That whole thing, that <laughs> well, whole gag. But even even the idea of red herring to a certain extent. God, I and love red like, herring. Uh, Fred's absolute innocence. Uh, they uh, in one episode, uh, Chickenstein lives. His uncle is uh, Ed. Ed Jones, Eddie Jones, instead of Freddie Jones. Okay, Eddie not, Jones not as good of a name. Uncle, who is played by Frank Welker, who played Freddie Jones in the original show, and is uh, also yes. obsessed with conspiracy theories and solving mysteries. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's just like, it's the most in-joke of all time. Everything is meta-jokes in that show. Maybe and- <laughs> I should go back to it. Maybe I'd appreciate it more now that I've been doing the podcast for a while. It's very ridiculous. And then once you start getting into, like, uh, uh, what's with you, Scooby-Doo, or... Sorry, that's new in my podcast. Hey, yo. Inadvertent. Yeah, <laughs> what's Plug new Scooby-Doo is what I meant to say. Oh, what's new uh, Scooby-Doo, sure. Yeah, like, which I would say by and large is a pretty shitty show, but, like, it's fun. Uh, Brian Unger is in it. But they also, like, do remakes of original Scooby-Doo Where Are You episodes, which is fascinating to see how they handle it in 2001. Huh. And huh. then you get uh, Mystery Incorporated, which also has to comment on all the original stuff. And then Be Cool Scooby-Doo, which literally remakes episodes. You can <laughs> watch the original episodes from 1969, watch Be Cool Scooby-Doo, and be like, this is the episode. This it- is how they co- they bring these issues into the 21st century and this is how they make it real it's think, fascinating i think, I think issues this is, is a little bit generous <laughs> no i would i They're i will go issues. to bat for be cool scooby-doo yeah it's good it's worth it oh uh i i, I can give you episode names right now um <laughs> uh, i'm sure you can <laughs> no, that, that's good to know, oh, but cause... we're talking about we're talking about 13 ghosts right now that's true um, that that's good to know, though, and I think maybe that shows that the your your catalog thereof kind of shows one of the weaknesses of Thirteen Ghosts, which is that in mm. stuff like Pup Named Scooby Doo or other things, they sort of reference tongue in cheek the original series. This one seems to trying to be playing it straight and going beyond it at the same time, and just sort it's of losing distancing itself a little. It's distancing itself in a way that doesn't drive it forward, I guess. It capitalizes on the salient features of the original series without adding anything. Well, they add things. They're just not things that I think works with Scooby-Doo. Like Flim Flam. Well, yeah. So, they, uh, are you guys familiar with improv at all? 
Zane is. I, I yeah, I was in improv in college. Not so not so the, much you, myself. You know the concept of yes and. Yeah. Oh, of course. So the concept and of I. Well, <laughs> you're such an asshole. I was gonna let that go, Zane. <laughs> nah, he nailed it. <laughs> but the idea is that someone gives you a suggestion, you build a world off of it, and give them a gift. Fundamentally, sure. What. 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo does, uh, the Scooby-Doo and Scrappy show does, is they add nothing. They take what was successful, try to capitalize on it, and they don't build a world. They don't make anything of their own. They just try and throw these characters into lifeless situations and say, please just keep watching. Yeah, so rather than yes and and then ellipses, it just goes yes ellipses. Yeah, exactly. Like there's there's no and. <laughs> yeah, I would, I would sign off on that. I did enjoy it, I think more than you guys did, simply because it's been so long since I've actually seen any Scooby-Doo stuff. Oh, I appreciated being reacquainted with Shaggy as much as the next folk, but it just wasn't enough. What episode did you guys watch? Like, let's uh, let's talk about it. Like, like <laughs> them just like going to the Orient or wherever the hell they go. I love watching it. Uh, I, I saw the first episode, obviously. Um, I saw the one where they go to a supernatural convention and get sucked into a mirror. And I watched the one where they went into a comic book and found Scooby Doo's most favorite comic book hero, Platypus Duck. When's the last time you watched uh, A View to a Kill or, uh, you know, any James Bond movie post-1960s, you know? I'm going to be honest, I have not seen James Bond. Well, you get out of this conversation. <laughs> I'm, I'm on my way. <laughs> uh, I don't think, I think I've watched like one half of a James Bond where uh, Daniel Craig got whipped in the balls for a while. Does that count? Oh, yeah. I did write a James Bond script, and people said that that was pretty on point anyway. So I, th- I think I get it. Wasn't your yeah, James Bond would... script uh, entitled James Boner 009 millimeters or centimeters? Incorrect. No? <laughs> Incorrect. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just checking. But if it was going to be called that. Oh, of course. Cold open. <laughs> Just give me that. <laughs> it's just a taste. Um. Did you have a favorite episode? I liked the time travel one where Scooby has an It's a Wonderful Life moment. I was going to watch that, yes! but I couldn't muster up the energy to watch more than three episodes. Yeah, It's a Wonderful Scoob. <laughs> it's just like, it's so unbelievable. And that's the beauty of Hanna-Barbera. Like, how do we capitalize on something and get someone in here to watch it and then just move? That They're fundamentally a stick and move organization. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, this that episode was why I was thinking of that it's referential show is because when Scooby left the gang and they were like trying to find somebody new, it zoomed out to like a TV of the show right. and a child watching it like, oh, they don't have Scooby on anymore. I'm not watching anymore. Right. If they d- if they're not there to stop time slime. <laughs> right. Time slime. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like, by and large, I can't say anything more about how this show is just... It, it tries to reappropriate without giving. Yeah. And and maybe with that in mind, we should move into animation and start with somewhat of a clear slate. Because I think we're hmm. starting to run in circles. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So, um, 
now you say that it doesn't give much i wanted to point out that because there is a bunch of supernatural shit they mm-hmm. do more special effects than i'm usually used to in my scooby-doo and they really show their age not not in a way that i t- inherently dislike but if something is appearing from a bunch of magic it looks pretty bad yeah there's <laughs> like the uh, like star the like yeah, the stars and like radiant lines star. coming out and then bam there's vincent price <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> Um, and um, I found myself. I think, yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I think they did. Um, you know, the atmosphere pretty well. You know, the very dark shaded tones in the background, just sort of that oppressive atmosphere of, um, you know, when when we see the big villain that we don't see with the little ones. Like I've said, the um, wackiness of the minor ghosts versus seriousness of the of the major ghosts. Yeah, this mm. is. I guess that this show does have more like dramatic range in its atmospheres than the old Scooby Doo did. Um, but I don't think that's very good. I didn't really like the the, the new places that they <laughs> took me. Like, they were just well, the, a little too bonkers. Yeah, the backgrounds are still very limited animation style. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. uh, you, you know that, that idea that if you look at a classic Scooby-Doo, you know that a door is going to open if the entire background looks bland, and yet there's yep. one doorway that has much more color. <laughs> Oh, yeah, or, like, uh-huh. you have a pile of rocks and then two rocks beside it. Those rocks are getting thrown. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. they, they direct your eyes where they need to be. Yeah. And they just, like, yeah, have the assets for the rest of it and just, like, cut and paste. It, it's still a competent show, even if it's not reaching, you know, the former glories. That's true. Yeah. yeah. It, it, I think it's fine. Yeah, um, I feel like most of the faults are in the writing. But I just... I think a lot of it is also just unfair nostalgia bias that I'm putting on it because I found myself just missing the let's walk in profile through a hallway bits. You know, I, I mm. wanted to see mm. a painting in the background that they zoom into and then the painting's eyes follow the gang and then go away again as Scooby looks back quizzically. Like, I wanted to yeah. see that again. The yeah. classics. And, and this animation does have higher budget, I think. Like, more, uh, there's more individual slightly. character motion. Yeah. What? There, I, yeah, it, I enjoyed the amount of detail paper. they gave to Vincent Price. Well, yeah, that's the thing. There's more individual character motion. Like, characters can kind of articulate with amongst themselves with, with, greater, with greater range. Um, mm-hmm. And there's, like, a bunch of panning and zooming shots. Like, we're not always just, like, looking in through the see-through side of a, of a building. Um, mm. and it, it, Is it, that a big difference, Nick? I don't remember too much. <laughs> not really. Uh, I mean, <laughs> yes and no. There, it doesn't have as much of the limited animation feel, but it definitely pays tribute. You never get like a three-dimensional perspective. Like you never no. get somebody walking away from camera diagonally. You know, yeah, they're not saying? breaking any molds. They're just adding some polish. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I had one more thing to say about animation, then we can move on. Uh, I wanted to draw attention to the fact that there's a lot of work put into the extras in this show, it seems like. So, oh, like, interesting. The One of the episodes that I w- looked at was uh, they go to a paranormal convention and meet, like, 20-plus weirdos. And they all have, like, unique body types and features and clothings and manners of speaking. It's not mm. just, like, cut-and-paste extra in the background of a limited animation thing, which I yeah. thought was interesting. Yeah. Well, I and I, I don't know if this is. Oh, sorry. Oh no, go ahead. Oh, well, I I don't know if this is good or bad, but the fact that these one-off characters that we see seem to have more personality than a lot of the main cast is. 
I, I don't know. I didn't like their personalities, but I appreciated that, you know, there, there was something to them. I wouldn't have liked it if they were just like nothing characters just to facilitate having a crowd in the scene. And this is a strength mm-hmm. of the original Scooby-Doo series um, where every person that you met met had a personality like whether or not it was going to be a villain it usually was um but each of them had a distinct body type and personality but here we're dealing with crowds of people rather than like an old man and his like chambermaid so yeah you just get uh, to showcase that strength more heavily in a format like this the character design of uh what was his name Ewo. uh i'm gonna find it right now this is research time. <laughs> That's oh, we, totally we, fine. We have research time. <laughs> should have should have heard me on the last episode spending ten minutes looking up Orange Julius facts. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how many times you were, went to the mall to get one? <laughs> uh, it. I was so thirsty by the end of it. <laughs> he just went on for like three minutes in <laughs> podcasting time, and we didn't cut any of it out. <laughs> What I was looking up was, uh, uh, I'm going to get this name wrong pronunciation-wise, but... But right feeling-wise. Iwao Takamoto. That was the guy who did the original character design for Fred, Daphne, Velma, Shaggy, Scooby. Mm. Great. Which, uh, you know, Fred has, like, incredibly broad shoulders. Daphne has... an. A tiny waist. Velma has sleeves that are way bigger than anything that it should ever be worn by a person. She's got she got frumpy sweater boobs. Yeah, right. I'm, I'm pretty into iconic. it. So, uh, and I would also say that uh, Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo is um, it, that's Tom Ruger, who is uh, you know uh, animaniacs to a certain extent, but mm-hmm. Tiny Two Adventures. The the uh, broad characters, so it, everything needs to be shape driven. Yeah, uh, good uh-huh. point. Have you guys ever like bought like a book on drawing characters or designing characters? Oh boy, oh, uh, never had the patience for that. No, oh, most of the ones that my friends had were all like, "How to draw anime eyes?" I'm like, I know how to do that. You just draw eyes my and right. then make a make a circle around it, and there's your head. Well, These hands were it, yeah. not meant to create. Yeah. And so, like, <laughs> but it's always, like, here are your basic shapes. Like, here's a circle, here's a square, and then, like, the next, like, 50 pages, like, show you how, like, you know, Johnny Quest is a series of circles and squares, you the, know? Yeah, uh, the characters <laughs> and, in Hey Arnold are all, like, weird household objects, so, like, you need, yeah. Eugene's head is a can of soup. Yeah, uh, Craig uh, Barrett, right? Um, yeah, so, uh, Bartlett, right? Bartlett, yes. I think. Very excited yeah. for that movie to come and out. It's, and it's not just the main shapes. There are certain details that you don't even think about, but they would look weird without. Like, Shaggy and Scooby both have that little, like, soul patch hair mm. yeah, yeah, and, on their chins. Yeah, and Shaggy's head, like, if you if you think about Shaggy, you, like, realize how hunched over he is with, like, his head kind of drooped forward, like, toward the ground. It's, like, very intentional that he's shaped like this. When I was uh, when I was trying to figure out which college I was gonna go to, I uh, my parents and I were doing this road trip across the Northeast, and we went to Skidmore, and my tour guide at Skidmore walked like Shaggy. That's like, awesome. He, his, head, <laughs> his head like 
bopped forward like a chicken. And oh, God. The, the, the feet thrust that Shaggy has. Like I, the way I bet that, that poor fuck thought he was preening. It was insane. <laughs> yeah, he was preening. He was like, a lot of women like this. cock doo uh, now I say that's a walk there. <laughs> now, now, son, I tell you, I tell you what, you gotta walk like this if you want to get a hen's attention. I say, I say now, that's that's not a chicken. This is a chicken. <laughs> I yeah. love foghorn leghorn. I'm a chicken uh, hawk, see? Oh boy, chicken! Oh hawk. my god, it's just Scrappy again. <laughs> yeah, this guy's yeah, this guy's everywhere. Uh, um, but uh, I, I, the the character design in this is very like you, you can see the way that that works, and you can see it throughout yeah, Tom Ruger's stuff. And you're it's, totally right; it's, it's very shape oriented. Like the couple of the extras that I saw, like you had like a like this old kind of wizened oracle woman, like mm. and like, she was about as bulbous as you can imagine, and then this weird like nerd that looked like he came from mad magazine with like a pointy orange mohawk it was it was absurd like they (laughs) you could identify him by shape alone but it works at the same time it does help distinguish between them and i I think it gives them a little bit of spice yeah it doesn't last but it works yeah good 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 way to put it i mean Um, you know the idea that like bach never meant for his music to be listened to 200 years later. Bach oh, <laughs> Bach was just writing for Thursday at 7 p.m., you know? <laughs> oh, time to well, clock out. <laughs> no, no, I mean... I better dust these that, keys off. <laughs> yeah, literally, that's what he was doing. And that's kind of what they were doing. Like, video did not exist until the late 80s. Huh. Yeah. Um, taking <laughs> yeah, not, not I where I can go with the that. Podcast. I killed the podcast. I'm sorry. No, no. We just we just got to boot up again. It, you know, we don't talk about Bach that often. <laughs> Maybe you don't. It's one of those like code words that just restarts the the AI. Do you oh, ever wait. hear that? Uh, you ever hear that joke where it's uh, uh, Al Pacino, uh, Danny DeVito, and. Arnold Schwarzenegger talking about a movie about composers? I don't think so. Oh, yeah, you know, I think I have. I haven't heard this one. You haven't heard that one? I don't think so. Do we have time? They're talking talking about doing this movie where they're each going to play composers. And uh, Danny DeVito's like, oh, you know, I can play play, uh, Mozart. And then, like, uh, Al Pacino's like, yeah, I can play play, um, uh, Beethoven. And then Arnold Schwarzenegger goes, I'll be back. Oh, of course. <laughs> uh, you, you know, why, why, why didn't we have a Scooby-Doo episode with Al Pacino and Bach as uh, guest stars? I'm just going to ignore that and veto that question. All right. Uh, Let's go on to music and sound. But taking the opportunity to shift, into, yeah, to shift into the music, um, <laughs> we do have that sort of orchestral music for the dramatic scenes. Um, mm. Ben, you said earlier that they have different you know, shadings and moods. For different situations and you didn't like the way that they changed it yeah um, i think it works for the music because they have you know the dark music for drama they have jazzy numbers for chases remixes of the scooby-doo themes for the humorous scenes i think it follows the action pretty well i think so too there's one 
caveat that I would like to put in there. I think that the musical numbers in each episode really drags you out of that. Like, I, I don't like which, musical which ones. I, I saw one in every episode that I watched. There's like a weird, like, you know, uh, chorus line number for, for almost every episode. Oh, yeah. They'll dance along and do a ditty. Uh, sure. And I, I didn't appreciate them because uh, I never do. But <laughs> but I don't know how you guys feel about them. Well, I don't think it's effective. Uh, I think it's a hallmark, but it's not. It's it doesn't hold up. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw it as a as an extension of the other stuff they were doing, like uh, uh, you know, pulling a fast one on the ghosts. I didn't see it as a musical thing in and of itself. Yeah, I mean, like in a way, that kind of makes the goofy side of this. If if you're trying to view it as like goofy versus dire, it makes the goofy side almost vaudevillian. As opposed to just like weird slapstick, which is what Scooby Doo is more or less known for. This is yeah. this is almost putting on a play, a lot of the time. <laughs> a sure. play where half of the dialogue is just puns. Man, the dialogue's real bad, guys. <laughs> yes, I would agree. <laughs> it feels like it's just there to fill time a lot. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think dialogue in Scooby Doo is horrible. From I would say 1971 <laughs> to It's awesome that you can narrow it down to a year. I would say I would say it's horrible from 1971 from to to 1998. That would be my personal so, reference. Does that include the Johnny Bravo episode? Well, no, that's, that's pretty not good, fair. but I also would say that that falls outside. I would also, I would also that's, say that's Blue a Johnny Brothers Bravo episode, though. That's not a Scooby Doo episode. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, Sco- uh, also Ghoul School is pretty good. Reluctant <laughs> Werewolf is like. Decent. Oh yeah, I remember that being a very uh, a pretty good uh, pretty good movie. Yeah, not none of them are like standouts of like the cartoon genre, but well, for Hanna Barbera. When you're dealing with like four TV movies from an established franchise, you're already clearing a pretty low bar. So and like, having yeah, it being absolutely. above average is like almost saying it's it's as much praise as you can foster. Yeah, yeah. I just uh, I just fell asleep last night to watching uh, Yogi Bear and the Magical Flight of the Spruce Goose. <laughs> Are you our long lost brother? <laughs> <laughs> and i have to say that like it was uh up until i fell asleep uh horrible but i loved every minute of it <laughs> i i don't remember the dialogue in the original scooby-doo being all that bad i remember it being like very wooden there was more exposition we're talking about scooby-doo where are you yeah oh mm-hmm. very fun it's uh it's a lot of like cut and paste and it works very mm-hmm. well it's a lot of like um uh uh well we're gonna have to split up if we're gonna find out where this ape went i like, don't dig I'm i don't so dig scared. this scoob yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> just yeah just like exactly the, it's just them announcing their personalities and intentions they're not really yeah. doing anything <laughs> with the title which is what <laughs> which is what people do anyways Sure, I guess so. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, that, that's, but let me give you a distinction: something nature. that wouldn't fit in a Scooby Doo. Where are you? Which was a line that I had to write down because of how ludicrous it was. In the first episode, Flim Flam encounters something scary, and his response is, "In the immortal words of the great confused one, run for your lives." Yeah. Like, what do you do with that? <laughs> I would say that that's a poorly written line. <laughs> what, what does it even mean? 
<laughs> Who's the great confused one? Is that him? Is he quoting himself? <laughs> if he was confused, if he was quoting himself. Yeah. What does confusion have to do with running with your life? <laughs> yeah, if it's you're very confused, strange. you're gonna be you're gonna be stationary. You're gonna be also, paralyzed, if, right? If you're running for your life, why are you taking like a minute to say that you should do that? Yeah, it's so scary. They should have brought a poet. <laughs> It, it's one of those. It's it's like uh, if you ever read um, uh, like romance novels, you know, like oh, romance yeah. novels. By and large, it's always like the the most beautiful uh, uh, tropes thrown into the weirdest situations. It, it's <laughs> things like his abs were like a stained glass window. What? In what way? Uh, like that they were colorful? Like <laughs> religious? Like what What are you trying to say? Uh, whenever I think of tawdry romance novel, I always get the, the, the sentence of like her heaving bosom thrust against her. You know, sure, like that's, heaving that bosoms. Thing. Yeah, Classic. exactly. It's, always, it's all heaving bosoms and thrusting. I remember I dated a girl who read uh, Twilight, and uh, the, got out of that mess. Her, her, her justification, <laughs> her justification for reading it, she said, "Let me just tell you this one line," and she did it without having any text in front of her. It was, uh, it was a testament to his abs. Oh, geez. That they drew the eye away from his face. That sounds like something that Johnny Bravo would say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's, it's, it's so much... Uh, you understand every line, but none of it makes sense. It's, 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 it's uh, you know, uh, what Noam Chomsky says about, um, uh, you know, uh, cellar door, uh, green dreams sleep furiously or something. You know, it's it, yeah. You understand it, but there's no meaning to it. I, As Noam Chomsky once <laughs> said, his abs were like a stained glass window. As Noam Chomsky yes. once said, "Bitches ain't shit." <laughs> Have you? Oh God. No, okay, I'm gonna jump out of that. Um, I uh, I actually think I've had an opposite reaction to like tawdry romance novel descriptions because I actually think that they're great. <laughs> Oh, I sure. actually really love like hearing about the curves of like his arms and the sweat like <laughs> gleaming down. Like it's such a good lesson. It's such a good lesson in hyper specific adjectives doing exactly mm. what you want them to do. Mm. And usually it's to induct boners, but like it's also just like very evocative language. Like if you want, but also like a two paragraph yeah eye description or. If if you want, like, so, like, this is the problem that I have with a lot of fantasy series, like Game of Thrones and 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 like uh, Lord of the book Rings, or TV is that show. the different, uh, the the just the um, the books, okay. um, is that the descriptions are not evocative. They just mm. they don't make me want to read them. And they could they could learn a thing or two from like tawdry romance novelists. They I whenever <laughs> I pick one up and I see part of a sentence, I want to read that whole page. Mm. But Mr. Frodo, he said, looking down <laughs> yeah, yeah. Lips, at the way lips that the ring, gleaming. the ring held his hand the way he wanted to hold his hand. <laughs> no, that, I, I, I'm totally fascinated by this, though, because then what 
if we if we you know inject that into oh, that was the wrong word to use into our penetrated conversation into? yeah inject about uh 13 ghosts of scooby-doo I oh man think, i can't wait i think the, the world that they live in i mean the reason they were canceled after 13 episodes is that it's not compelling you know i mean you you, you talk about okay so uh the the age old issue of what's left to the imagination is better you know uh, uh strippers always have pasties you know that kind of that kind of ethos that has been around since 1832 i get it mm. but that idea that like description and 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 fantasy is like so much more potent why is J.R.R. Tolkien uh, uh, compelling people to knock on his window as he's trying to drink tea and be like, I love Frodo! Like, <laughs> you know, like, wh- like, what about it? It is this compelling era of, like, like, that the imagination can take hold. I feel like the biggest problem with 13 ghosts of scooby-doo is that it tries so hard to create a world and it just fails miserably that's an interesting point because in the original in uh scooby-doo where are you they like i was saying before you have this wolf man but there's a mystery about him that he's still wearing Hmm. his pasties right they're not he's not giving anything up not until you, you pay. Never what a great image. <laughs> but then 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, demons pop out. You see the demon talking to his henchmen. There's nothing There's nothing yeah. mysterious about this mystery. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's no longer a mystery show. Yeah. she stri- um, they, Those ghosts stripped naked, butt naked, 10 seconds into the first song. There's nowhere to go. <laughs> yeah. You've got it. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for allowing us to make this analogy, by the way. <laughs> Um, and they missed out on the opportunity to have that sort of, you know, you want to keep reading or watching to reach a satisfying conclusion because they never actually caught all the ghosts. You don't see what happens. They only caught uh, like 11. So it gets canceled. Let's say, <laughs> let's say that like Christmas pass and Beetlejuice are still out there. What? Are you kidding? <laughs> all this time, Zane? You were just waiting for an opportunity to bring up names of different ghosts. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> it was all an elaborate con. Oh, man. Can you name them all? No, he just named oh. random ghosts. Oh, okay. Yeah, I don't, I don't oh, know who the last pitch. two ghosts he are. He has pitches. Casper? He has pitches for the next ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going to say Cthulhu. <laughs> say he's not a ghost. Doesn't count. Counts. No. None of them were ghosts. There were like two legit ghost ghosts in this one. Yeah, they were just demons, really. is the only one I remember. Zumba? Yeah. <laughs> what did what did he do? Uh she <laughs> respect. No, of course. Um it was uh that's monster tainment. Uh Zumba Zumba I just remember that. I just remember Zumba saying <laughs> Zumba. <laughs> it's my f- favorite thing ever. Oh man! 
I um, believe that the uh, mirror ghost was Reflector Spectre. Oh yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, I don't I don't mind that one. Yeah. Uh do you guys notice any of the eighties slang? What, like uh like uh slamming or uh Yeah, yeah, saying that things are fab or keen. Oh fab? Interesting. Yeah. I didn't notice that at all, no. There's some guy in the in the paranormal uh convention thing at one point it keeps on saying things are so decent (laughs) whenever he's impressed by something he keeps on telling us that it's decent as opposed to dece yeah yeah dece (laughs) i'm not a fan of that one why can't we go back to keen yo dog that demon box is fat (laughs) noticeably fat rewind the tape all right Here's the thing. I want a concept album from Del the Homo Sapien about this show. From what? Del the Funky Homo Sapien. I don't know who that is. I do not know this. Uh, do you guys remember uh, Clint Eastwood by the Gorillas? No. No, I do not. I ain't happy. Feeling sad. Oh, I got sure. sunshine in a... Finally, someone let me out of my, my cage. cage. Time for me is nothing, because I'm counting no age. Now you shouldn't be scared. I want him to do the entirety of this series, because I feel like it would be dope. <laughs> Just describe the plot summaries Dude, that, of each. Yeah. <laughs> that would be the, uh, that song would be the uh, opening to the abridged version for 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. Oh, hell yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be really good. Now you shouldn't be scared. I, it, it would I go out on now you shouldn't project. be scared because you actually shouldn't be scared because their pasties are already off. <laughs> it's does not quite a tagline. <laughs> <laughs> think about the think about uh, thirteen ghosts. It's that I love that it is failed. It is <laughs> it. It's only beautiful because it is failed. Like oh yeah, it's the Garfield and Friends of cartoons. But like, w- like, ben. what would have what what would have happened if Lost had have been canceled at season four? You oh man, if only, right? Yeah, this could have been so this could have been so rough. I think it could have finished fine. But I think being canceled, it's far more interesting. Do you guys remember Brimstone from the 90s? I do on not. On the Sci-Fi Channel? It was a Sci-Fi yeah. original channel with... Um, oh, Jesus Christ. Danny Glover, maybe, was playing Satan? Uh, it was... Okay. It was a let's say it was. Let's say it was Dave Gruel. <laughs> yeah. Or, yeah. Uh, let's just go for, uh, you know... Whoever, uh, Mickey Mickey Rourke, why not? Uh, sh- sure. Um, <laughs> so it was a cop who died, went to hell. The uh, uh, there's a jailbreak in hell, and uh, <laughs> Satan taps him to go and get him back. Thirteen there's episodes. So much that needs to be explained. <laughs> Yo, I don't, I can't even figure out what genre it is from that description. <laughs> 13 episodes, sci-fi original series, and compelling as get out. It's it's amazing. Those 13 episodes, if you can find them, are unbelievably good. Man. It's like like The Wire, 
before The Wire. It's like so unbelievable. So it got canceled, and uh, you get nothing. You get nothing from it because mm, you have to watch so. it, and you have to be like, "All right, nothing's ever gonna happen." God, that's such a shame. And you actually feel disappointment. I do not feel that from Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo. Oh no, absolutely. Uh, I mean, like I the, feel like it, I know I, where it was going. Yeah, and I applaud them for like rec- whoever made the decision. I applaud that they recognized that it wasn't precisely a property worth continuing. You know, they're like, okay, Flim be... Flam is a failed flagship. Sure. Just to get the alliteration in there for the memo. Um, so they, they, they figured that out and then they jump back into something else. That, that's perfectly fine. And the format, like the, uh, the property is stable enough to allow to do that because as far as I can tell, nothing in one Scooby-Doo is canon in another Scooby-Doo. Sure. Like it's all weird, like alternate universes. What if Scooby did this stuff instead? Yeah, absolutely. And serial versus episodic. Most of them were episodic up until maybe pop named scooby-doo yeah i I think that's where this property works best anyway like it's got such a timeless feel that to give it a concrete story arc feels like feels feels fundamentally wrong it feels forced yeah Mm. all right do you think this this is the show that told the people in charge of scooby-doo like you can't just do the same old thing because after this we started seeing those more um you know, unique takes mm. after a, a hiatus, of course. Is is Scooby-Doo the progenitor of Law & Order? Explain Stop yourself. <laughs> according, to our, according to our intro, I guess it is. You know, like, cold open, someone runs across a body, a jogger in New York is yep. running, sees a body and goes... <laughs> Oh my god! And then, you know, whoever it is, like, uh, you know, Green and whoever show up and they're like, well, guess they shouldn't have, I guess running kills. Bung bung. <laughs> you know? Oh yeah, Briscoe? Played by yeah, Fred? Yeah, Green and Briscoe. <laughs> <laughs> Act one, they go and visit the, you know, uh, uh, sports legging shop. Like, and every episode is going to follow that format is I'm trying to, in my head, I've been trying to delineate Scooby-Doo from radio and try and see how Scooby-Doo is different formulaically from radio. I can't. I don't know what you mean by that. What do you mean by radio? Just like the concept of radio? Well, uh, you know, you think of uh, shows like Bonanza or anything that existed on radio, The Shadow, um, Mm. Precinct uh, 13, um, Dragnet, uh, any of those procedurals. The characters are very, like, visually iconic, so. You know, sure, maybe it was so just like different. maybe it was just extending what we already liked and put it and and giving it some you know fresh bells and whistles. Yeah, it could be successful as radio, but it's just not. It could probably be successful as a as a as a radio broadcast. Hmm. Yeah. Um, the sound effects are definitely like 
we complain about these sound effects in other shows because it's clear they're just ripping off Scooby Doo. But here, it's sure. I mean, I don't complain about Zane. I don't think I do complain about it when it's ripping off Scooby Doo. I always love that you know running away from a thing with like the the constant foot tapping noises or like the you know like the it's a shorthand in any case. Yeah, I love that stuff. Um, but I've never thought of this as radio. Yeah, well, uh, um, so Hanna Barbera was considered by Disney and UPA and all them uh, enhanced radio. They were considered to be doing radio dramas, uh, but doing limited animation to them. Yeah, I'd, I'd never, I'd never heard that spin on it. Like, yeah. I think I think that we haven't looked far back enough to be able to comment on like where the limited animation started. Like that's just kind of our starting point because we're oh, only looking Hannah at Barbera cartoons. Started it. Yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I I can definitely see that though. Like the the visual part of these shows is easy enough to do without. I do mm. I do think that like Ben said, it's iconic enough and like it adds to it, but it's not strictly necessary for a scooby-doo show mm. no but at the same time i'm glad that like someone would have done this right someone would have adapted something yeah. that could be successful in radio and just if scooby-doo didn't have it it would have been some other like some other property that just caught wildfire and then didn't feel the need and then could have been adapted otherwise like i don't know if flintstones could have possibly done it but a different show in that era could easily have taken the space that Scooby Doo would fill would have left if it if it hadn't happened. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, that's just the way that technology marches forward kind of works, right? Is that someone is going to get in on the ground floor, someone is going to be able to adapt successfully, and then if it's, you know, the best example of the time, like I'm saying, it's almost as though Scooby-Doo and all the other shows from back then had a battle and Scooby-Doo was on top cuz he got in early. Can you adapt? Can you adapt, uh, you know, Snagglepuss or Augie Doggy and his dear old daddy or El Cabong? Probably not those. Well, those are all shows that have, th- those shows all have fewer characters. Um, you know, you they're, I don't know, I think just having the gang and like we know their characters so much already. So even if, even if you couldn't originally do it as a radio, we know enough now that we could follow along easily enough. Mm. Yeah. yeah. And I think, I think it, this... It's hard to say what could have been. I think the failure of this show is kind of showing how true that is because if we cut away the essential elements that allows it to be this memorable, then we get something that's not very... Yes, yeah. this specific show does need that visual element. I also, yeah, I would agree entirely. I think that this show does not exist at all. I think it's... <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I'm not precisely sure if we were willing to go that far. I've, I think it's That's an audacious fully, claim for somebody two hours in. <laughs> I think it's fully a reinterpretation of characters that you like that they then throw into... I mean, it's... Uh, it's, it's um, Oh, it's fan fiction. Battle of the Hollywood Stars, or fan fiction. It's, it's the Star Wars Christmas special. Yes, 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 yes. That's exactly what it is. We're you just gonna it. turn. Our, just gonna turn our heads away. We're gonna find on its own. Wookies into whatever and hope to God you watch it. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I think I think that we should probably pare ourselves down for an exit now. So, 
So much like the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo, we should cut our losses at uh, the two-hour mark and and try to start segueing out. We should just cancel the podcast right no, now. It's just, this is it. This is the last episode. We'll Did see I you kill when we it? See you. I'm sorry. Uh, uh, if, if anyone has any final thoughts, I think I've said everything that I really care to about uh, 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. God knows I've said Uh-oh. a million things. Sure. <laughs> I think all I have to say is like um, that I have gone without Scooby-Doo for so long that even though this is a particularly considered a subpar adaptation, mm. I still really enjoyed it just because I don't have that anymore and I've, I've got to go back and watch some of the some of the better in interpretations of it. In the it. same way that if you really are craving cheese, you'll accept American. Or right. the same way it's, you're craving right. James Bond, you'll watch A View to a Kill. Yeah, or Quantum <laughs> Slice. Ooh, different, different, but yes. Too, too, I agree. too much? <laughs> I agree. 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo is the Quantum Slice of Thir- Scooby-Doo. I feel like you're saying it wrong. No, nah, it's, it's Quantum Slice. It's mid Roger Moore. Okay. It's like ridiculous and like <laughs> insane, and you don't know why stuff is happening, but you're like, it's still James Bond. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping it's still gonna Vincent work out. Price. It's like it, Moonraker. It's still Zoinks, guys. We still have Zoinks. Josh showed up. We still have Zoinks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Nick, any final thoughts? I would I would heartily recommend uh, James, uh, James Bond. Okay, cool. <laughs> and Scooby Doo. <laughs> not not how I expected this to go, but okay. <laughs> Super weird. Thank I you th- very much. I I think Scooby Doo <laughs> is a uh, is an interesting uh, look at Americana, and that's uh, that's my final thought. Yeah. Um, All right. Yeah, and I think I've said everything I need to say. I would like to uh, thank you again for jumping on our on our podcast uh thank you, you so much guys yeah this was a lot of fun <laughs> this is a blast if I you'd like to God, have us on your podcast that. at some point we'd uh, we'd love to appear absolutely i hope my uh, um, random babblings are usable oh yeah we trade <laughs> we trade in random babblings as well as children's yeah, would dreams you like to, would you like to uh plug your podcast real mm-hmm. quick uh, yeah, so like you officially. can check out uh, What's With You, Scooby-Doo. It's on iTunes, Stitcher. You can check out um, WWY Scooby-Doo on Twitter, uh, as well as What's With You, Scooby-Doo on Facebook. And I, I've enjoyed it. Um, I hope you don't mind me saying a lot more than I thought I would, because, you know, you think <laughs> of, like, the formula of Scooby-Doo, and you're like, oh, man, how can they go episode by episode? But they're re- you really do have a great... Like it's a great time listening to it. Thank you. Yeah, you do also have a voice. You you have a face for radio as well. Uh, no, you have, you have a voice. You have a voice for podcasting, and it's like really. I'm a, I'm looking forward to this episode a lot. Not to be too weird about it, but I really like your voice, and I want to see how it sounds alongside mine. Thank um, you. Thank you very and much. And so yeah, I, I'm look. Ranker. <laughs> But yeah, I, I, I watched. I listened to some of an episode, and it was uh, it was really good. Uh, lots of good James Bond trivia, um, <laughs> and but yeah, it was a delight to have you on. So so thanks again. Indeed, thank you so and, much um, for having me, guys. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we're we're just gonna wrap up our podcast. Uh, ben, what are we going to watch next time? Oh uh, well, Zane has convinced me that he is going to uh, leave the family if I do not join him in watching Fruits Basket for our anime segment. 
we haven't done a slice of life before, so I've been conned into accepting it. I don't think I'm going to enjoy this. <laughs> I it's you know I was hesitant at first. I think it's if you're looking for a slice of life anime, I think it's a pretty good one. So the the thing about our show, uh, Nick, is that sometimes we do stuff that we know is going to be not good because it's more sure. fun to talk about. <laughs> so that'll be interesting. I've been a Scooby Doo podcast. Obviously. <laughs> Checkmate. Yeah, I, I guess I yeah. I'm I'm speaking to a kindred spirit, I suppose. Uh yeah, so we're gonna do that as our slice of life anime. And Zane, what are we doing after that? Alright, well we're coming up on our seventy fifth episode. Good guy. And every twenty every twenty five we do a scrambled segment, which does not look at animation but looks at something else uh kind of similar. So uh Nick for our 25th episode, we did uh, Cousin Skeeter, which okay. is puppet-based. Um, and then around 50 or 49, we did uh, Red versus Blue, which was, you know, from video game animation. Sure. So taking these other mediums and seeing what animation comes out of them. Um, mm. This time, I thought that we could do um, a comic book animation. Mm. Kablam! Uh, Great. I can't wait. No, no, no. Um, specifically... Uh, a webcomic that I know, Ben, you enjoy. Uh, we're going to check out Kid Rad. Really? <laughs> okay. Man. So this is a webcomic that you read, but also has animations within each panel. I would love to see someone tackle the Heroes comic from when Heroes was the thing. Wait, Heroes? Wait, like the show Heroes? <laughs> yeah. Oh, boy. They had a comic? When they had, like, a supplemental <laughs> webcomic. Well, okay, that, that deserves its <laughs> own investigation. Um, <laughs> we could talk about that all night. Only because you were like, Nick! <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, um, yeah, I, I think that'll be a lot of fun. I don't think that it will be very interesting, but we'll give it a shot. I, it's, it is, So it's it's know, like this weird, like, movie. HTML moving comic, like, a basic, like, looped animations it started sure. out as and then developed into something a lot in, lot, a lot more dynamic later on. Um, mm. If you have any love of webcomics, uh, Nick, or, like, old SNES games with, like, a cool twist, I would hardly recommend checking out Kid Rad, even though we haven't talked about it yet on the podcast, because yeah. it's really cool. Like Commander yeah. Keen or something. It's exactly, it's Commander it Keen. What oh, if Commander okay. Keen had a personality... Now with existential angst. Yeah, it's got existential angst and an entire, like, empire that they're trying to take down full of video game character knockoffs. Genius. It's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> all right, cool. Um, yeah. Oh, and by the way, and, in case uh, you weren't aware, Nick, scrambled because eggs. Oh, yeah, we have an egg theme. <laughs> okay. We don't talk Good. about it much. <laughs> I, uh, I've been doing um, eggs in a basket. Okay. I don't know what that means. <laughs> it's, it's use the it's wine glass to uh, get the circle out of the toast, and then you make the toast and then crack the egg. Oh, yeah, you might know it as a one-eyed Jack. Didn't uh, mm. didn't V yeah. for Vendetta cook that for? Uh, or no, somebody yes. in V for Vendetta yes. cooked it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, V. I know it's it. from Denny's. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, I think it's time for us to all stop talking to each other. <laughs> <laughs> to you and yours this Listener. holiday season. I would like to say Godspeed, good luck, and love for all. And put the ghosts back in the box. (laughs) Sure.
<laughs> Listener, if you want to put some ghosts back in the oh, box, yes. uh, go ahead and check us out on Facebook or at our website, uh, cartoncast.com. Also, uh, go ahead and leave a rating or review on iTunes. Uh, tell your friends about the show and check out Nick's podcast. Uh, that's uh, What's With You, Scooby-Doo. Um, I don't know. How do we end this? Zoink!